0: Hello and welcome to the inaugural J-League Register podcast. My name is Stuart Smith and I'll be the host of this regular uh, podcast. And to celebrate our debut, I've brought in uh, a a name that should be familiar to a lot of people who are listening to this, but might be a new face or a new voice Uh, for some people. I'm going to welcome in Sam Robson from Football Radar. Sam, how are you doing, man? Yeah,
1: very good. Thank you.
0: Thanks for having me. Not a no problem at all, Sam, no problem at all. Before we get into uh, a more detailed introduction, I'd just like to give a, uh, a quick shout out to Ben Maxwell. Ben is the, uh, the host of the former podcast on Japanese football, the Talk podcast. Without him, this probably wouldn't be a going concern right now. So big shout out to you, Ben. Um, but Sam, um, for those people who might not know who you are, um, why don't you just give a, a, a brief explanation and a quick introduction?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Basically, I am a J League analyst. I work for a company called Football Radar based in London. And my job is essentially to watch every game that every one of the teams plays in J1, be it League, League Cup, Emperor's Cup, whatever. And I have to just kind of know as much as I can about all the teams and kind of register everything that happens throughout any game.
0: Well, who better to have on for our first J1 (laughs) podcast, right? (laughs) Um, Well... Enough of the small talk, let's get get into it. Um, I don't think anything much happened this weekend, did it Sam?
1: Oh, I don't think so, I can't think of anything to speak about.
0: Well, in absence of anything dramatic to speak about, let's start in Kobe, where uh, Lucas Podolsky Fever finally came to the pitch. Um, the German, well, the ex German international, I should say, uh, made his debut for Vissel as they won 3 1 against Ormia Ardija at the Noravir Stadium. Um, Sam, it probably couldn't have gone much better for Lukas Podolski or Vissel Kobe, could it?
1: No, no, it was an almost perfect debut for him. I think. Kobe kind of struggled in the uh, first half. Maybe it was with all the added pressure of having uh, a player like Podolsky playing. They were, didn't really get him into the game as much as they could have done. But second half, he came alive. Kobe came alive. And yeah, it was a perfect result and a perfect welcome to Japanese football for him.
0: Yeah. A couple of good goals from uh, uh, from Podolsky. The first one from outside the area. And the second one, uh, uh, a decent header um, from a, a, a very good cross, actually. Um, Two goals on his debut. Do you think that is about as much as could have been expected, or do you think it's just a taster of, of what's to come uh, with regards to Podolski?
1: I think, and I hope to think, that it's just a taster of what has got to come because I've mean, only had a very limited sort of pre season. I know it's mid season here, but at the end of his uh, Galatasaray uh, stint. So I uh, didn't really shine too much first half and didn't really get into the game as much as perhaps he could. So yeah, I think from what I saw of him in that second half, he's obviously a brilliant, um, got a fantastic left foot, Uh, he'll score goals pretty much from anywhere he'll get anything on target but I think there is more to come from him he'll get um, a strike partner in Havana to play, it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic works and I mean we might get onto it later but then there's these rumours of Kanazaki as well could be a very potent uh, Kobe strike force and I think he will only get better once he um, kind of settles into the team, settles into Japanese football
0: Yeah that was going to be my next question actually obviously Podolsky's the the, the headline name uh, that Vissel Kobe have brought in uh, this summer uh, in Japan, but also they've brought in, like you said, uh, Mike Havner and they're rumoured to be interested in um, uh, Kashima Antlers forward, Mu Kanazaki Do you th- uh, Personally, I think uh, Kobe have vast, uh, vastly underachieved uh, so far um, this year Do you think it's fair to expect that um, they can I don't I don't know if they can make a title challenge, but do you think they can put a good run together and challenge for the top three and maybe a spot in next year's Asian Champions League?
1: I don't think that's beyond them at all. As you say, they have been a little bit off the pace of where they would like to be. I think a lot of that was down to injuries, losing Leandro on the first game of the season, then they've had so many defensive injuries, um Iwanami's been out, Hashimoto, Takahashi, and then Fujita uh, in front of them as well. So once they get those players back, as they have done with the defence, once they get a, a potent striking force, like Leandro, I think, is due back sometime this month. Mm. If he can come in with Havana, with Podolski, I mean, they've got everything in that squad that could take them easily up into third. Because I think they're only like six points off, which is not insurmountable by any stretch.
0: No, that's right. I'm just looking at the table now. They're uh, in ninth position on 29 points, but Gamba are, are in third place on 35. So, yeah, it's not actually uh, beyond the realms of possibility that they're up and challenging uh, around the top three sooner uh, rather than later. Um, just to move off Kobe and onto their opponents, Almeria. Uh, they're, uh, they're a shadow of the team that they were last year. Um this defeat has left them um, in the bottom three. Still, they're on uh, they're in sixteenth position. Um, do you just think that they were slightly unlucky to, to run up against Podolsky fever um, last weekend, or do have you seen have you seen anything in Omiya which leads you to believe that they're in serious trouble, or do you think they they've got enough quality within that squad to um, kind of pull themselves out of out of danger?
1: I think they've got enough. I mean, it was the worst possible feature for them to have. There was away at Kobe yeah. with all the uh, hype, well, the fever around, the fever pitched atmosphere around that game. It was, they're almost like a no win situation. But I think, especially the uh, signings, uh, Marcelo played and scored mm. um, in that game. He was one of the better players in the K League with their uh, Jeju. I know he impressed me when uh, Jeju played Gamba in the Champions League. So, and, They've signed him, they've got that new Nukawe, he came on in the second half, mm-hmm. signed from Portugal. He's a kind of combative midfielder. I mean, Omiya's problem, even last season, was a pretty much quite a fragile midfield that was last season bailed out by Kikuchi and Komoto, and then at times uh, Kato in goal. But, I mean, this season I don't really know what happened there because they were so defensively stable last season, mm. and it kind of all fell apart I, Not think there were a few injuries, but even so, they just maybe got a little overconfident in how well they did last season. They thought, okay, we're going to be safe here, even though they, well, I mean, it's such an overachievement. If they'd have finished maybe 15th, 16th where they probably expected to last season, and I don't necessarily think they'd have been in this situation. Yeah, I, I think they've got more than enough, uh, especially with the striking talents of Isaka, and you've got Genki Omar who's not really hit his stride, and then add Marcelo to that. I think they have enough.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of uh, K-League watchers were uh, impressed with Marcelo Toscana, and uh, they were a little bit sad to see him leave Jeju. So, yeah, like you said, I think... Um, Going forward, I think if they can get things clicking together, they've obviously, like you said, they've got Esaka, um, they've got Genki Oma, they've got Yusuke Sagawa, got Marcello now. They should. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, I think they should have enough to um, to get them out of the the relegation zone. Um, well, we can segue quite nicely up to uh, from striking reinforcements because we're going to look at. Uh, a game with serious uh, ramifications uh, this last weekend. We're going to head to uh, the Sapporo Dome, and where Consadole Sapporo knocked off Urawa Reds, which meant curtains for the Urawa Reds boss, Mihailo Petrovich. This is one defeat too many. Um, Sam, you know, they've been in a bit of a rut for a while. Um, Urawa, was it just that time to make a change?
1: Yeah, I think it has to be the, the way the events fo- unfolded in that game against Sapporo. It was like everything that could go wrong for Aurora finally did. Uh, it was building up to it, a massive implosion. And yeah, I think Petrovic didn't really have a leg to stand on after that result. I think he I think maybe they wanted him to resign before they fired him, but he had to go either way.
0: Yeah, and it's <clears throat> kind of a little bit of Schadenfreude that um Tomoki Makino <laughs> got himself a a nice little red card just to kind of put the cherry on the top of that um, (laughs) defeat, I think. Um, Goals from uh, Ken Tokura and newly signed Jay Bothroyd gave Considole the the win that they probably deserved in this game. Um, Sam, I think the conventional wisdom going into this season was that, despite being champions last year, Sam Poro were probably the least equipped to stay up in J1 this year, and they found it hard going uh, thus far. But they've brought in um, Chanatip, the, um, the, the Thai player. They've brought in, obviously, Jay Bothroyd has come in. Um, they've got Ken there. Did they, do, do you think they have a fighting chance of, of staying up now?
1: Yeah, I think so. When you've got a strike force like or like Bothroid, they're not going to be the prettiest players to watch, but they're going to be effective. But, any, like, Bothroy and Tokura, as was seen at the weekend, will win most things in the air. And especially when you've got the delivery of Fukumori on those um, on those set pieces. I think they're a threat to anyone. They're maybe not, yeah, as I said, not the prettiest side to watch. I don't think they're the best team at all, really. then sort of like their defense is a little bit shaky their midfield is okay but not necessarily special but i think they've got enough weapons to cause enough teams problems and they've got them They've got a chance
0: yeah they're uh, yeah like you said they're not going to be farm wanting um physically up front um jay and ken are going to be a handful for for most japanese uh defenses i think the the thing for them is can they get enough service to them? Um, And I think that, um, you know, I think they'll rely on their home form a lot as well. And they were, I think there was over 33,000 at the Sapporo Dome on, uh, was it Saturday they played? Yeah, it was Saturday, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, there were over 33,000 there. So I think if they can, obviously they're not going to get that every week, but if they can make that place into a difficult place for opposition teams to visit... Then I think, yeah, they do stand. Um, uh, they do stand a, a fighting chance of staying up in this division. Um, Reds, where do they go from here? I mean, they're obviously managerless. They've just brought in a new player today from Portugal, and they've got an Asian Champions League semi-final coming up. It's a bit of a, a uh, it's a bit of a jumble there right now. Um, if if you were Reds, what do you do? Do you hire a new full time manager as quickly as possible, or do you see out this season and wait until, kind of wait until the winter to um, sit back and assess where to go from there?
1: That's well, a very good question. I think given that they are still in, not necessarily the league, I can't see them pulling themselves round enough to win the league. But they're still in plenty of competitions i think you have to go for a full time manager even if he's just got um, six months, well, 3 or 4 months of competitive football just to kind of get his ideas across to the team because they're going to take they've been so ingrained into the petrovic way of playing that any new manager is going to need a lot of time to get his own stamp on that so i yeah, i'd try and get one in as soon as possible because they could be in a horrible state of flux where they're not really going anywhere they could then just meekly go out of every competition yeah, yeah, I'd have to get a new manager in, I think.
0: Are there any names that stand out now? Obviously, the, uh, w- without wanting to uh, float any rumours uh, too deeply, but obviously Hajime Moriasu is <laughs> out of work right now. Um, are, th- are there any names that kind of stand out to you um, with regards to potential managers for for Reds?
1: That's an interesting question. I think Moriasu is, as you say, kind of the obvious candidate but I think Reds kind of have a tendency to go European I, but I mean there's such a sea of names I can't necessarily put my finger on a, like a prime candidate oh, I, I suppose Moriasu has like he plays a similar brand of football he he worked wonders of course with San Frecce on a much smaller budget so he he should be the obvious um candidate but yeah to be honest uh, there is not a name that i can pluck out of thin air and say this is the man for urawa yeah it's a really difficult one they've got a really tough uh, decision on their hands
0: yeah i should have primed you before that question really <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> um, but if you were <clears throat> if you were having to sell urawa to a potential manager like, uh, what kind of things would you w- would you say hey this is a good club to manage because Dot, dot, dot. What are the key points there, do you think?
1: I think, especially in modern football, they've given Petrovic a lot of time to uh, kind of build his own philosophy to get his own team. And if you can show, oh, we're willing to do that for this manager, you can have X amount of time, you can put your own stamp on it. They're, in that regard, they're quite a stable club. They've obviously got the uh, resources to compete right at the top of the league. Of course, they're a usual Champions League team. They've got very good players. I mean, defensively and in goal, it's a bit of a mess. But when you look at Kashiwagi, Kuroki, secondly, who's been incredible, even through this run of terrible form, they've got a lot to offer in that squad. That that squad, as I have said for ages, I think is maybe alongside Kashima, the strongest squad in the league. I think there are plenty of reasons to go to Rara. It's a team that's down on its look a bit the only real way is up for I don't see them getting any worse than they are now so i think it's a, a great opportunity for any manager to take this sort of project on board
0: yeah you sound like it's a, it's a, an upside it's an upside job like um, yeah one would think they can't go much lower um, than right now um, but just to just to roll back and just a final thing on reds do you think that petrovic is three centre-back ways got found out because it seems their their, their defensive setup this year with Endo, um, Makino, Moriwaki and Shusaku Nishikawa seems to be having a bit of a down year. Do you think the teams have finally twigged on how to isolate those defenders and, and play around them?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of that, especially like the teams like Kashima when they play two centre-forwards against the three uh, centre-backs and then you get Kanazaki and Pedro Junior spreading to what each wing, completely separates Makino and Moriwaki from Endo, leaves him completely isolated. That's been a way that they've been found out. But also I think the indiscipline of uh, Makino and Moriwaki, who are so far up front, they leave time and again, they leave Endo either on his own at the back or with uh, an ageing Yuki Abe to um try and help him out they get hit on the counter attack so often like four or five on two it's just yeah a complete lack of discipline i mean nishikawa then goes walkabouts wherever he feels like it it's yeah it's just if that system is a fine system if i will come on to jubilo later who play this three three at the back system and they are doing it perfectly but yeah it's just all over the place the if Makino and Moriwaki had the discipline to just sit in a little bit instead of having to under-overlap the, uh, the wing-backs every time Urara go forward, they might be OK. But, yeah, they're just it's not very clever football they're playing and they've got found out time and again. And they kind of deserve to be where they are.
0: And where they are is in mid-table. And, <clears throat> well, we've mentioned two games so far and we haven't even mentioned... League leading Sereta Osaka in their, um, their defeat in the Osaka Derby. It's probably time to, to move on to that. It was just some big stories in Japan this weekend, so we need to, <laughs> yeah, we need to finally get make our way onto Sereta against Gamba. Um, Sam, you watched this game, right? You've you've come yeah, through this, yes, uh, as have I, because it wouldn't be a very good podcast if I hadn't <laughs> and I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, but yeah, this was. Um, I think the first thing that struck me about this game was that visually it looked really good on the screen. Um, if the, if it's the if you want to sell the J League to um, to overseas viewers, um, a game like this in a, a full modern stadium and a high tempo game, it looked it, it looked like a really good game. Um, Sam Gamba came out on top and they figured out a way to defeat Seretzo's um, high-pressing game. Um, what was your overriding view of the game? Because, of course, Seretzo um, took the lead and they were pegged back by, by Gamba. Um, a, uh, a fair result? Do you think it was a, um, a deserved win for the home side?
1: Yeah, I have to say probably was. I think 3-1 may be a little t- uh, harsh on Cereza, but uh, I thought Gamba played really well. I think um, the introduction of Huang uh, Guizhou up front, because uh, they've for so long had absolutely no movement up there, and Idaguchi can pick the ball up as much as he likes, but Shunagasawa is just going to stand there, and you have to plant the ball on his head, and that's it. But Wejo would make all these uh, little movements, and him and Kurata—they've got—they're quite clever players, and I think that sort of unsettled what is a, usually a very steady Cerezo. Kind of, they're playing kind of banks. The, the four at the back are pretty rigid. Mm. Then you've got Suzu and Yamaguchi patrolling there, and it kind of unsettled their rhythm a little bit. And I thought Gamba played the game very well at. Because I haven't really been impressed with Gamba too much this season, but I think, yeah, they spotted a few weaknesses, pulled up a few players out of position, and yeah, I think they just just about deserve the victory.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty good point. Um, it, it sounds quite harsh for a team that's up in third in the league, but I really can't say I've seen Gamba play well that many times this year. They seem to be uh, more of a functional team than a team that that plays with. Um, any kind of style. But one thing that struck me um, when I watched this game is something that you mentioned just there as well, is that um, I think they played between uh, Serezo's lines quite well. I think they found space um, in between uh, Serezo's defence and their holding midfielders. And I think that created quite a lot of confusion, um, especially with Sozo and Yamaguchi. They weren't sure whether to drop back and make, and make themselves more compact or whether they were to kind of press um uh we do ed Milson, um shukarata people like that and i think Gamba exploited that quite well and i think um you know they they did go behind and kenyu sugimoto um continued his recent good runner form but um I think there was some pretty average marking going on as well in Seretso's defense, which is quite rare because I think from the times that I've seen Seretso this year, they've been pretty, I wouldn't say super solid, but they've been reasonably solid um, at the back. Um, Seretso is still top. Let's not get uh, too carried away with this. Um, One of the questions we got was, um, can we see Seretso Osaka uh, sticking in a, a... a title run um well we're kind of halfway through the season and they're the top so for me personally yeah i can see them uh being there or thereabouts come the end of the season uh what say you sam
1: yeah definitely agree i think the only problem they have is they've got quite a thin squad like against Gamba, they lost Yamashita in, in the air uh, Training uh, session before the game, so they yeah. had to bring in Kimoto, which I think may have unsettled them a little bit. Maybe not quite the relationship between centre backs and holding midfielders that may have contributed to Gamba kind of picking them apart a little bit. And then other areas like if Sugimoto got injured, is there anyone up front that can do it anywhere near as good a job? I don't think there is. The same maybe if Souza or Yamaguchi drop out, but if they can keep a their first 11 together, get uh, Kiyotake fit and actually able to play any sort of stretch Mm. of games, they've Mm. got a a fighting chance, definitely.
0: Yeah, um, I would uh, tend to agree with that assessment as well. Um, Okay, so we'll wrap up our Gamba and Seretsa Osaka-Dabi uh, talk there. Um, Sam and I are going to have a quick break. Um, We're going to probably get a drink between us and uh, we'll be back after this. And we're back and I would just uh, give a quick warning to any Kawasaki Frontale supporters who might be listening to this. You might want to uh, put something in your ears for the next five minutes because we're going to look at the game at Todoroki on Saturday evening in uh, some torrential raining conditions, it has to be said. And yeah, Sam, I think we both I think we both predicted Jubilo to win this 1-5-2, right?
1: Oh yeah, a pretty
0: easy <laughs> prediction that one. Yeah, it's very easy to uh, to have seen that coming. Um, yeah, in all seriousness, uh, the Battle of the Light Blues uh, was easily taken by by Jubilo in the end. Um, we got a question from my friend and yours, Tiago, about um, uh, uh, why are Jubilo playing so well at the minute. Um, <clears throat> I'm gonna kind of um put my ear in here and say that um Kengo Kawamata is playing really well at the minute um i know he scored uh i think he scored the final goal for Kawasaki um for Jubilo on on saturday but his his kind of line leading play if if that's even a phrase has been really really good and uh he's given Jubilo a really good kind of uh, uh point to their uh, attacking lineup and I think yeah the uh, the form of Kawamata has been um pretty key uh, in Jubilo's recent excellent form. Um Sam what do you think about um Jubilo Iwata and what exactly has Hiroshi Nanami done that has made them into this seemingly formidable unit?
1: Well I definitely agree with your point on Kawamata. I think he struggled at the start of the season as Jubilo did to a certain extent but I think the way that Nanami is um He's kind of forged this three six one three five two. He's quite a fluid formation, but I think that has really suited the way that each of their players played. Like Kawamata leading the line, as you say, has been superb. And then he's got a feeding off him, making runs, taking defenders away. Then he's got, obviously got the uh, uh, the ball playing skills of um, Nakamura, who can find anyone from anywhere in behind him. And then you've got um, Hayao Kawabe, who's mm. kind of taken on the. Uh, Yuki Kobayashi role of last season. He's making these light, no, late runs into the box. He joins in. He, I think he got two of the goals against Der uh, at the weekend. And I think it's kind of a well-oiled machine. They defensively sound... Those three aren't going to move. They're not going to go anywhere. They know that they've got that kind of uh, backup behind them. And Musayev as well, the uh, Uzbek uh, international, who's been a really good signing. He works his socks off in midfield. Plus, then you've got... Uh, Decent, uh, kind of steady wing-backs, but it all kind of fits in well. And they all feed into that kind of focal point with Kawamata Adalton, and Nakamura. And it just works so well there. They can play in like, various different manners as well against Kawasaki. It was a lot on the counter-attack. Uh, Frontali, as you know, will always have possession but they hit them with the pace of Kawamata and with Adelton but also against the lesser teams they are good enough to control possession, they work it nicely they've got threats from various angles, I think yeah, they're a really well balanced team and a really well settled team as well and I think, yeah, Nanami's done a fantastic job considering how poorly they finished last season Mm.
0: Yeah, it's very kind of easy to forget that they weren't safe in j1 until if it wasn't the last game it was the penultimate game and they they had a really rough run at the end of um, last year and this season didn't start off as well as probably they would have hoped but just they've they, they've shot up and they've they've just they've been on a, a fantastic run and um, looking at the table now they find themselves uh, in six I mean they're only, um, well, they're only one point behind Gamba in third. Uh, is it too much to ask for a, um, uh, an ACL
1: spot? Oh, it's difficult. I think it probably is. I think oh, they like, will yeah. burn out at some point. But with the league so as tight as it is, you can't rule it out, but I think it would take something incredibly special so for if I was, to manage to get into the top three.
0: So if I was to put you on the spot right now, <laughs> as I have done um, throughout the <laughs> podcast so far, um, if I was to uh, ask you to put your money on who will finish higher, Kawasaki or Jubilo, where would your money go?
1: My money would still go on Kawasaki despite that result.
0: Interesting, interesting. Get used to that. More more unscripted questions. Don't worry about it. They're coming <laughs> okay. your way. Um, yeah, so um, that was uh, Jubilo's win uh, against uh, Kawasaki. Uh, yeah, like I said before, it was really kind of horrific uh, weather conditions uh, in Kawasaki. Um, kind of stalking, as usual, uh, Kashima antlers, um, they... Did what most teams do against uh, Van Voorhis at home, and they uh, they beat them quite comfortably, uh, three goals to nil. Um, Kashima, uh, in my <clears throat> in my preseason preview, I, I said that Kashima were the strongest team uh, in Japan, and you know they they're where they usually are. Let's be honest; they're uh, they're usually in and around the top. Um, is there anything that we can take, uh, that we can look into a bit deeper in this game, or is it just a case of them seeing off a team that they should easily see off?
1: Yeah, I think it was a fairly routine victory. The way they've been playing recently, ever since their change of manager, actually, I think they're unbeaten in all competitions, even beating Sevilla uh, last week in a friendly. I think, yeah, this was just a case of Kashima kind of going through the motions. I don't think they were especially special in this game, but. They have such talent in that, especially the first eleven. But then they've got the little player like um, Abe who came on. I think mm. he was incredible against Severe. He did this. I think he set up uh, one of Suzuki's goals, the kind of little jinking run, and he scored again at the end of this game. It Shows the incredible strength and depth they've got. But yeah, they're just they've got quality in every position, and mm. I think their form, the talent in the squad, it's looking quite ominous for the rest of the league. That they're just gonna maybe let kind of storm past Soretzo and then they look fairly unbeatable at the moment
0: do you th- do you think that mukanazaki is seriously interested in moving to Vissel Kobe like would like if because it seems to me that it would be an odd move um, of course he might want to play with Lucas Podolski or, or whatever but it would seem that if there is any truth to these rumours, it would be a, a kind of a, an, an odd move given the attacking riches that Vissel Corby have got and B given that he's primed to kind of make a serious run at another J League title.
1: I would be very surprised if he went. Because, I mean, if he goes to Kobe, he'd probably be shoved out to the left hand side, which I can't imagine he'd want. Because you're going to play Podolski Central, you have to play Havanar Central and Leandro at, at that. So I can't see him leaving. I think he's kind of the main man up front for Kashima. Maybe last season when they're all this kind of for all with uh, Ishii, the little uh, uh, kind of strops that he pulled when he came off. But. I can't, I'd be very, very surprised if he left to, to, to join Kobe.
0: Yeah, I would, I'm um, very little surprised to me in football anymore. Um, but that would kind of be, um, that would be an odd thing to see. Um, well, let's take a, a change of scenery and let's head down to the bottom. And, um, Albrecht's Nigata currently, um, prop up the table. They're still in single, uh, figures, for, for points this year. I think they're only on nine points uh, so far. Um, but they gained, uh, well, I want to say creditable draw against Tokyo. Um, they they took the lead against them, but they were ultimately paid back by Peter Utaka. Um, let's be honest, and sorry, Ben, to slack Tokyo off, but Tokyo have been pretty crap this year without wanting to sugarcoat it too much. Um, but it's still a big point for Wagner Lopez's side. Um, They find themselves seven points adrift of safety. Um, They're seven points behind Van Foray who are in 15th. Um, Personally, I think they will be relegated. Uh, I don't think they're that good. I don't think they've got that many good players, and it's kind of difficult to see uh, how they'll pull themselves out of trouble. But that's a glass half empty. Can you provide any glass half full analysis or are we yeah, are we, been, are we both? I've been
1: trying all season to think <laughs> of something positive to say about Albuquerque and I'm really struggling. I Yeah, once they lost Leo Silva and Rafael Silva, I thought they were doomed. I don't think the Brazilians that they brought in, got, I know Gallardo scored at the weekend, but I don't think he's that good a player. Ronnie's got a bit of pace, but he misses almost every chance he has. They They've been in games, but can't take their chances. And I just think, considering uh, the kind of transfer activity that everyone else around them, maybe bar Kofu, have done, like with Sapporo bringing in Bathroyd, with Omiya bringing in Marcello, with uh, Patrick and Niwa coming mm. in at San Frecce, I, I just can't see them um, overhaul, gaining enough points to overhaul too many, if any, of those sides. They've brought in... Uh, well, Isamura from Nagoya and Obu who were like kind of average players. Like Obu wasn't even getting into the Nagoya side in J two. So, and then they've got what Douglas Tanke I think from where is his second tier of Mexican football. It doesn't breed much confidence in Niigata. I I can't see it, them even coming close to surviving. Unfortunately.
0: Uh sorry niigata supporters <laughs> any of you... nice kit I, they do they do have a nice kit and a nice sponsor with uh, happy turn yeah, so, yeah and uh, i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure supporters in j2 wouldn't mind actually going up to niigata um it's a very nice place um so yeah they'll be doing <laughs> they will be doing J- j2 teams a favor um well <clears throat> we just mentioned them um, um in passing there, Frecce Hiroshima, they find themselves in a very kind of unfamiliar uh, position because they second bottom. They've just got uh, 11 points uh, out of their game so far this year, and they suffered a home defeat at the weekend um, against Sagan Tosu. Um, if you haven't seen this game, uh, obviously you have and I have, but if anybody out there hasn't seen this this game, Please, please, please go and have a look um, and go look at uh, Cho Dong Gyun's uh, winner for Sagan Tosu. I think, what, what would you say, Sam? It, he was inside his own half, right? I, th- I think. Uh,
1: he was either just inside or just inside the other half, but I, I it even so. An incredible, incredible goal.
0: Yeah, it's. and. Let's be honest, Sam, it's that kind of stuff that only happens against you when you're struggling in the table, right? (laughs) Uh, Those kind of uh, opposition goals from the halfway line. Uh, You mentioned briefly before um, the signings of Patrick and uh, Niwa from uh, Gamba Osaka. Um, Are they enough? Like, you know, it seems like it's all gone a bit wrong and a bit quickly there, uh, in, uh, in Hiroshima, obviously the coach is gone, uh, they lost over the past couple of years, they've lost or sold a lot of their kind of good, uh, good players and hasn't, and haven't replaced them. Um, they're in a bit of a bind right now, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure they are enough. I think Firstly, I think they were brought in by Moriasu. So Niwa is now under the new manager playing at right-back, which I don't think is where he wants to play. And I don't think it sorts out their defensive problems, really. To, with Mizumoto and Chiba and Nagami, were are all you know, having pretty poor seasons. Mizumoto is part of this kind of like elderly Sanfretche's spine which is not it was good three or four years ago maybe even two years ago but at the moment they're off the pace Ayama's had another poor season I think he was pretty poor last season and then Patrick up front I mean he's not fit he was out for eight months with an ACL injury at Gamba he's hardly had any football to throw him and hope he's the saviour is a massive gamble and I can't really see it paying off he wasn't in great form before his injury for Gamba and then not really, I thought Kudo would have been a pretty decent signing when he, they brought him in a, a, in January, but he's got absolutely no confidence. I can't see Nathan Burns doing enough. He's not played enough football to have an, an, an immediate impact. I mean, there's some good players there. They can get out of it. The likes of Kashua and Shibasaki can get them out of it, but they're so low on confidence. Nothing seems to go right for them. I, and I don't think the signings are, are kind of... I, I don't think they're the greatest signings. I don't think that they're necessarily enough on their own to get San Fretchen out of trouble.
0: So we think that Alberex and uh, San Fretchen Hiroshima are kind of on the way down. I mean, that that would be, uh, maybe not Niigata, but um, San Fretchen going down would be a huge story, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, massive. Well, it seems to be the way of the league. Every year, one massive team seems to get themselves relegated, and maybe it's just San Francisco's year.
0: Yeah, CC, Nagoya, Grampus, right? <laughs> it's uh, yes. like the, the big teams that go down. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we we've looked at the relegation uh, places. We have looked at the, the the kind of top places as well. We'll just have, we'll do a brief roundup of the the other games that that took place um, in the match day. Um, oh, we had a question about um, Kashua um, from uh, uh, my friend Gabriele. Hello, Gabrielle. I know you're listening. Um, he asked, uh, "Can uh, can Kashua?" kind of make a, a title charge. And he's saying, like, I know they drew it the weekend against Sendai, um, but they're only kind of six points off Serezo, um in first position. And they've got a, a lot of young talent. And the the thought is that they're only going to get better. They're not going to, un, unless their best players get picked off by other teams, they're, they're, they're going to improve as a unit. Um, I've been really impressed with um, Kashua this year. And I've always, in fact, I've been a big fan of Cristiano for a long, long time. I took a lot of stick um, uh, in the past for that. But um, I think I'm convinced he's a really good player. And he's a very, I know he's greedy. I know. <laughs> I know he shoots from like 40 or 50 yards whenever he gets the chance. But he's an excellent player in this, in this cashewa side. They've got a, a pretty good stable of forward and <clears throat> attacking players. They've obviously got and Nakamura and goal. They've got some good defenders. Um, they're currently fifth. Like I said, they're only six points behind Seret. So I can see them being in and around the title challenges come the season's end. Um, is that an, an overly positive view of things? Or or do you, do you think that they will be there or thereabouts come season's end?
1: For me, I I really like Kashua as well. I think, though, maybe a title challenge this season is a little bit out of their out of their reach. But definitely in in and around the um, Champions League places, they've got a very young side. I think that is the only kind of it's a great positive going forward. But maybe for this season, I mean Nakatani and Nakayama at the back is that enough experience to put themselves into a title challenge? I'm not sure just yet. I think they've got very good players and they will only get better. I think next season could be the season that Kashua put in a really good title challenge. But for me, this season may be just out of their reach.
0: This season just a bridge too far. Well, I, I hope for Kashua's sake that um, they can keep the, the core of their side together because they do have a good young core and it's not too difficult to see. Um, other clubs, whether in Japan or whether abroad, looking at some of their players and thinking, "Yeah, these these players can do a job in my side." Um, so I hope they keep. I um, hope they keep their their core together. And the last game, um, in fact, it's the only game we haven't touched on. I think is the draw that took place at uh, Nissan Stadium again in the rain um, between uh, Yokohama F Marinos and Shimizu S-Pulse. Um, to I want to say mid table sides, like but Yokohama, are seventh. I mean, they're only a point off Gamba in third place, third place as well. It probably gives you an idea as to how tight uh the league actually is. Um, like if they'd have won this game, they would have been in third place outright. Uh, Yokohama from Marinos, um. Uh, just in general, what has your view been of them this year? Like, I kind of like what they're doing. I think there's still a couple of players short of making a sustained, um, a sustained push at um, um, honours, shall we say. I think they're probably in the hunt for the top three, uh, but there's still a couple of players off challenging for honours. I like the foreign players that have come in. I like Babunski. I think Hugo Vieira has done pretty well. Martinus. mm, He has his good, good days and bad days, I think. And I think, um, Manabu Saito has been kind of really, really good, uh, as their captain. Um, what do you think, Sam? Uh, like, do you think they, uh, do, do you think there are a couple of players away? Do you think they can put it all together this year? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think they've quite got enough. They're, they've always, to me, been like a mid, even this is a little bit of a middling team. and, and when you look at the table, it's still a bit of a surprise that they're only a point off third because I don't really expect them to be in and around the Champions League space. I think they've got some decent players. I think, as you said, the foreign players have done that. I've actually liked Martinez more this season than last season. He's kind of taken the mantle on a little bit. Saito started the season very well, then kind of got injured, kind of, and he's kind of feeling his way back in a little mm. bit. I mean, he missed, yeah, missed the penalty against Shimizu, missed. Mm another fairly easy chance um, in the first half I think it was if I remember rightly but yeah he's not quite at the top level if he can go on to where he was maybe this time last season then they've got a chance but maybe defensively I don't think they're I mean their record's actually quite good now I'm looking at it but I don't Really like Degenek. I don't think he's that good a player. I think the fullbacks can be improved on, and you're relying a little bit too much on a uh, guy in the late 30s in Nakazawa. Mm. So, there, yeah, there are, as you said, a few players away from really challenging. But I think, given the kind of negativity that kind of went into their start of the season, losing Nakamura and all that sort of thing, I think they've done really well, and yeah, they're pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah, and I think that. It, it's a team that kind of it sounds really odd but it kind of lies it, it, it lies to to me because I, I yeah i don't see them as being kind of being a point off the top three like it, it seems really odd to say that and like uh they they stick in my mind as a as a mid-table side with some good performances and some bad performances but like the the stats kind of back it up pretty well i mean they're you know yeah they're five points ahead of um Reds and Vial Kobe, and like I said they're only a point off third place so um yeah they can't be doing that badly uh, on the flip side um another kind of decent result for uh for Shimizu um obviously they uh kind of thankful for Chong teei um again and they seem to have pulled a little bit, Uh, of a gap away from the uh, relegation zone, they were looking a little bit iffy kind of not too long ago, but looking at the table now, they're uh, seven points above um, fellow Orangers or Mia. Shimizu still looking down or are they looking up right now?
1: I think they still have to look down. If John Tese doesn't fire, then they really kind of struggle. And, I, yeah, I don't see them getting any higher than they are at the moment. Yeah, I think maybe if they could get Thiago Alves fit as, as well. I mean, the game that they played at Urawa, where they won 3-2, and those two, Tese and uh, Thiago Alves, are working in tandem. They looked a really good and impressive side, but they haven't kind of been able to forge that partnership. And the players around them, they're OK. Edema is a decent player, and Duke's a decent player. But there's not... Enough quality for them to really sustain a uh, pushing towards the top t- the top half or anything. I think they're too, not that I wouldn't say too good to go down, that can ruin that plenty <laughs> of teams, but I think that they've got enough to be fairly comfortable. But I don't see them at the moment pushing on any higher.
0: Okay, well, that's a wrap on um, all the uh, J1 action from this weekend. Um, just looking forward to. Um, uh, to next weekend, um, August the 5th. Um, there's a full J1 slate. The Well, most of them are 7 o'clock Japanese time kickoffs. Um, I'll ask you if there's any games that, that stand out uh, for you, Sam, but I'm going to point to uh, Seretso versus Sapporo. Um, that's a game I'm quite interested in, actually. Um, obviously, are coming off um, a derby defeat, they'll be looking to get back on track against um, uh, against Sapporo. But as we've seen uh, last weekend, Jay Bothroyd came back to goal scoring form, and you know they'll be kind of full of it after their their win against Durawa. I don't think it'll be an easy game for. Um, For Seretsa, there's a slight uh, Korean undercurrent in this game as well. Two Korean goalkeepers coming up against each other. Um, That'll be my my game to watch this weekend. Um, How about yours? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a really good slate of fixtures, actually. You've got, obviously you've got the Saitama Day, you've got the Tamagawa Classico, so they get a lot of headlines. Plus, you've got Podolski rolling into Kashua, which is a really good open game. That's, I mean, if I, even without Podolski, Kashua Kobe is one of those fixtures I really look forward to watching. Both teams play a really exciting brand of football. So I think that could be, like, game of the week. But I'm also interested in there, Jubilo versus Sanfrecce. Jubilo, obviously, in superb form then at home to a Sanfretti side who were desperate for a victory just to get Jan Janssen underway, get mm. the team sort of moving in some sort of positive direction. I think that is a really interesting fixture. I mean, Jubilo could theoretically be in the top three with a victory in that game. So I, I think, yeah, that's one to watch for me.
0: Okay. Well, like uh, like you said, it's, uh, it's a pretty decent slate of fixtures, um, as they all tend to be these days, with the league being kind of so tight there's there's kind of meaning attached to almost uh, every single game so uh it should be good this weekend uh sam thanks ever so much for for joining me on this uh on this debut podcast um sorry for all the <laughs> kind of un unprepped questions that were lobbed your way i do apologize for that um but if um if anyone doesn't know you or doesn't know uh how to uh kind of contact you or or speak to you about japanese football on the social media where can they find you
1: yeah sure i'm on uh twitter on soccer sam i pretty much tweet every match day just during the games i watch but yeah fire anything my way if you feel like it
0: okay excellent thanks for that sam and uh yeah thank you uh to all of you uh who are listening to this, obviously um hopefully we get um a good amount of people downloading and listening to this and uh yeah we want to continue on the conversation uh, around Japanese football and uh yeah if you get time please check out the J League Register website loads of good stuff on there loads of good writing I know Sam's put some pieces up on there uh before and uh yeah if you want to get informed about the J League please check out uh, the J League Register website. Um I think that pretty much wraps it up. I would just like to say thank you again to uh, Sam Robson for joining me and hopefully you'll join us again next time. But until next week, enjoy the J League and I'll speak to you soon.